0: Time for our feature interview in podcast four and I'm really excited about talking to Paddy O'Leary. Paddy is currently based in San Francisco in the United States of America and over the last couple of years, Paddy has been Ireland's number one ranked trail runner in various competitions from the Trail Running World Championships, the Mountain Running World Championships. He's knocked up some incredible results on the Ultra Trail World Tour. He's won races over in America. He's won races down in South America and many of you will know him from his superb documentary, Egg Cioctawalia, Coming Home, about the fantastic... Community spirit in the Irish mountain running scene and of course his Wicklow round record-breaking attempt as well. So without any further ado guys, let's go and dial in the wonderful athlete and superbly interesting individual Paddy O'Leary. Paddy O'Leary, you're very welcome to Trail Running Ireland. Paddy, how are you keeping over there stateside?
1: Not too bad, not too bad. Just got woken up by one Flynn at this awfully early hour of the morning. Ah, no, it's, and not too bad. It, it,
0: it's four o'clock where I am. I don't know. It's an early, is it eight o'clock now? Yeah, it's not too bad. Are?
1: It's eight o'clock here in San Francisco, California.
0: And, and Paddy, come here, tell us, how have things been over there over the last couple of weeks and even more so over the last couple of days? A lot of tension over there at the moment, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like in the first part, like with the, we've been quite lucky on the West Coast in terms of the pandemic. Our um, public health and our city and the state, California state, made a lot of early actions similar to Ireland to uh to kind of keep control of a lot of the cases. and so other parts of the country, have seen huge spikes, but we're starting to reopen now. But then, kind of on a larger scale, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of conflict for with for reason across all across the U.S. at the moment, especially with some of the um. Some of the murders of of African American guys across um, um, further east in the country, and there's been a lot of conflict in the middle part of the country. And uh, people are protesting for a reason. So it's um, there's a lot there's a lot of issues here in the U.S. that have been here for a long time, and they're, maybe some people are only noticing now, but they've been around for a long time. And I don't know, people are starting to strike up about it. Um, but we hope people get through this safe, and the, that there'll be better people will be put in charge. I'm allowed to make a political statement on this. Oh, well, it's
0: a dangerous mix over there at the moment, yeah. Paddy, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think,
1: the, I think the whole world needs uh, better better people people in charge of this country, I think.
0: Yeah, um, and before we, we start talking about trail running and, and, uh, and our own running dreams, Paddy, mm-hmm. maybe don't seem quite as important at, at the moment, mm-hmm. could you tell the guys what you're working on now? Because I know you're working on something very interesting and very mm-hmm. important.
1: Mm -hmm. So I moved over here as a a researcher, postdoctoral post-doctoral research where I'm working on cancer research and the Helen Diller Cancer Center here at the University of California, San Francisco, and when the shutdown happened in early March, we, um, we weren't able to go to the labs to do our normal work, but a whole group of researchers across the institution with all different kind of areas of expertise started working together on a new consortium where we were working on coronavirus and trying to figure out new ways to understand the disease and how it infects human cells but also new ways to treat the disease so i've been going into the lab um the last couple of weeks where um to Kind of understand we're we're doing these experiments where we're looking at how the human cell the virus infects the human cell and to see if we can use drugs that are already approved for other disease disease types and use them to uh, to help either make the disease less less aggressive for people who have already have it or um, to kind of prevent the prevent infection. Um, but it's a lot of new learning. Uh, it's a virology is an area I don't know a huge amount about, so it's been a lot of learning these last eight weeks, which has been which has been really interesting. Um, but it's been cool to see a lot of researchers from different parts coming together and working on this. it has been one little kind of shining light that I think will come from this. And I hope that uh, people will get super stoked about science across the world. It's, it's really important.
0: Yeah, well, it's great to hear that at, at a ground level that people are working together because certainly at a political level over in the States, it's the, it's the complete opposite, isn't it?
1: yeah it is it is it is um but there, there is some smart there is smart people up there as well one like I don't know, i'm sure you guys have seen tony fauci and whatnot the fellow who's in charge of the um the i always forget the acronym but the national institute of infectious disease he's been working in that position for 40 years and has battled like the aids pandemic and the ebola outbreak and things like that so there is some smart people that are still there in charge um, and influencing up there so it's good to see we have some 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 good people in there too
0: yeah and the fact maybe that there's no races on at the moment and i'm sure your training is maybe toned down that you know when we're in race preparation mode a lot of the time so much of our energy goes into that and we can have tunnel vision where i suppose at least now you can enjoy the professional aspect of your job and and help the uh, help the fight in yeah. CV nineteen, yeah. and um, yeah. ma- it makes nice to be able to do that and not have to worry about races at the moment.
1: Yeah, I think we'll probably get into this later, but I'm like a big advocate for balance, and sometimes it balances to so far on the racing side, and that like helps my own uh, my my professional life. Take, life takes a little step back, and sometimes it goes vice versa. But yeah, this is the time where I've been able to kind of yeah really focusing on that and focusing on the uh, on the task at hand, which is which has been good.
0: Okay, okay. Well, listen, Paddy, we'll we'll start talking about the trails and the races because you you have a fascinating story to tell. And I mean, I, I must admit that as I was getting ready for the interview, I was a bit perplexed about how to go about it because, listen, myself included here, hands up, I'm the first guy just to have that tunnel vision of training, racing, Focusing on my races, on my training, um, a lot of the guys I've trained with over the years, being an Irish Irish team that over the years, but we're all the same. But you, you're very different, and um, you have a wonderful balanced outlook on life. And maybe th- to start off the interview, I'm going to throw the word serendipity at you. <laughs> it's a word that you used on one of your Instagram posts back in November t- 2019, and. Um, And I think it's a great word to start off talking about your different sports achievements from captaining the Irish lacrosse team to a European Championship final in 2012 to running a two-hour 20-minute marathon of very little specific road training and going on to become Ireland's number one ranked trail and mountain runner. So for for those of us that are a bit rusty on our honours level English Leaving Cert, um, remind us of what serendipity is (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, do I don't need to pull up the exact definition or my own interpretation
0: your, your own interpretation, interpretation. What more than do.
1: being in the right place at the right time but I think another kind of layer to it is kind of recognizing you're in the right place at the right time and and kind of making something of that
0: would you would you think that's a fair reflection
1: without, of, without your, I, of
0: your sports career over the last maybe 10 years
1: without becoming captain
0: of of the Irish lacrosse team and becoming one of the best trail runners in Europe and indeed the world.
1: Yeah like to give kind of like a cliff notes version of kind of my progression through serendipity into uh, different levels of elite sport when I went when I moved to UCD to to do my pharmacology degree and just by chance at the sports expo I came across some interesting characters who were setting up the Irish lacrosse uh, the UCD lacrosse team at the time and that was the first club lacrosse club that had been in Ireland in over 100 years and uh, I just got bantering with these lads and like come out and try lacrosse and I went out and tried it and uh, I was terrible we were all terrible we were the first team in the country but we uh, just had great fun with that and made a couple of friends and then stayed with that sport and um, but then we started getting into it and we started setting up clubs around the country and got involved in the first Irish team and at the time the Irish team was very of course like, the team was Irish American but that was when I started into that sport, we had to trap we I went on my first flight abroad like a month later, because we had no other team in Ireland so to play a game, we had to fly somewhere else. So got a 40 euro Ryanair flight to Frankfurt and went and played a game over there and realized how intern how this sport was developing internationally. Got super stoked on that. And yeah, it's in lacrosse as my thing, for the next eight years. And then by chance I was found out a bit at this position when I was about to finish my PhD in U C D um as uh, kind of two things that happened at the same time I found out about this position in San Francisco and applied for the job and came over here to work for a Scottish man, Martin McMahon, with Irish with a, an Irish mom actually, and um, got working for him, but then just about six months before I moved over there, um, one of my colleagues in the Commonwealth Institute, who everyone in the Imra scene might know, Micah, Micah she uh, was like, and also Kieran Wine, who's also a regular Imra runner, they were like, Patty, we've seen you out like running to tag rugby lacrosse. You seem to be running all over the place. You need to come out and try this uh, mountain running thing. I think you'd love it. And that spring, just before I moved over to the US, I came out and I did a couple of mountain races and I met a lot of the IMRA crowd, like uh, Mick Hanny and, and a lot of the different lads and got super interested in this mountain thing. And then all of a sudden I moved to the US and like I kind of got back into the lacrosse scene. But then when I moved over here, I serendipitously found this running group called the November Project, which is this free fitness running group that spread all over the U.S. and across over the world over the last eight years where people just volunteers lead these morning workouts in cities just to get people outdoors in their city and using their city as a gym and the playground. That had started in San Francisco and I'd moved over a month or two afterwards and I joined it and got involved in it and then met all my friends in it. And uh, that group was really into running and running in, on trails. So that's kind of got me back into trail running again.
0: And did you ever have, as a child, Paddy, like a, a dream, say to to represent Ireland, whether say in, in football after watching Italian ninety or USA ninety four,
1: or you every know um,
0: playing basketball every for Ireland or running for Ireland after watching Sonia and Avon and so on? Yeah. Did, did those thoughts ever go through your mind as a kid?
1: So definitely, every four years, I was mad to uh, I was mad to be up there with. with Paki Bonner and Jason McAteer and whatnot in the, at the World Cup if we'd qualified those years. Um, running, my dad was big into running. So he uh, he helped set up pre-athletic club back in Wexford and he was involved in community games. Um, and definitely like I grew up watching like the World Cross Country Championships and watching the Olympics and watching Sonia and Katrina McKiernan. Um, it never really crossed my mind because I never thought I was good enough to do it. Uh, obviously, you would picture yourself with the green jersey running around or, or playing football or playing rugby or whatever. But I, I was not very good at sports, young lad. I felt because I felt it was more of a kind of on the on the smart, the books, the book side of things. So like winning the All Ireland, I won the All Ireland Quiz Championships in under thirteen and under fourteen. In the community games, our our breed team did. So that's why I thought it'd be representing Ireland in the table quiz or something would be more like. <laughs> right, right.
0: Uh, but you know, we've spoken about maybe. Coming into these elite sports um, by chance. But you've obviously, you know, you obviously have this superb natural talent that you discovered maybe later on in life. Um, but becoming a top trail runner, becoming captain of the Irish lacrosse team, they don't just happen by, by chance. Um, do you also rigorously prepare and plan? Um, whether it was back in the day with the lacrosse team or for your races now once you do put your mind to something and find that sweet spot um do you have that tunnel vision
1: i think so yes um, for planning like for especially for like say a sport like lacrosse there's so much comes into it beyond like just your athleticism like because it's such a sport that's built around skills and also understanding your teammates and under, and learning a lot from the teammates around you so that was definitely a part of my uh, development as a lacrosse player especially because we're playing the sport in a country that there wasn't that many experienced people in it so we had to learn we had to reach out to people all over the world to uh, learn um, and then the same with I'm very fortunate with running here in the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area we've got some really talented um professional trail runners who were here over the last couple of years and I learned a huge amount from them. I think for my progression the thing that has helped me the most was just falling in with the right communities of people who had like with all ranges of experience including elite athletes and learning from them. So kind of learning from the best I think is something that's benefited me a huge amount.
0: Yeah and when was the moment Paddy do you think that you actually realised that, wow, I have a bit of a talent here for this running up mountains and trails, Lark. Um, because if I'm right, you maybe only started kind of running seriously 2015,
1: 2016? January, January 2015. Um, okay, yeah.
0: 30K. So was, was there any one race result that was that was right up there where you said, wow, yeah. I'm good at this and yeah, I'm going to dedicate the next five, ten years to this?
1: Yeah, so like over the next sixteen months, I'd pushed up to a hundred k, and I had like won a couple of, run uh, a fifty k, had come top fifteen at the T N F fifty miler, won a hundred k in May twenty sixteen. But still, at that stage, I kind of hadn't realised I could make the jump. I think it was the the North Face fifty miler, uh, twenty sixteen, where I finished top ten in that, and that's arguably the best, the fa- the fastest, or the, probably it was the most stacked fifty mile trail race in the world. Finishing top 10 in that also it was on home turf because here in San Francisco was, was pretty. So that one, it was kind of at that same time, like August 2016, I came top five in the rut. Uh, 50K Sky Race against a lot of international. I was the, like there was two French guys and a Spanish guy and two Alaskans. And I think I was sixth. So I was like the top continental North American in that um, or contiguous North American base person in that. And that was when I realized they could like roll with the best.
0: Yeah, Um, and I remember you mentioned North Face there, Paddy. I remember last year in Chamonix at UTMB, Mm -hmm. um, just when I would got off the plane, arrived in the bus to Chamonix, walking through the village, and I saw this big, massive North Face 20 meter by 20 meter poster on the side of one of the the village chateaus there, just in the middle of the town, with a picture of your face on it. (laughs) And it, it was a fantastic moment because yeah. I remember just thinking, wow, there's one of our own. There's one of the Irish boys um, right beside the very best American trail runners, the best yeah. European um, runners. And like, a lot of people listening might actually realize that in the sport of trail running, there's actually, there's, there's a lot of professional runners. There's a bit of money involved in it as well. And for any, say, you know, young Irish guys listening back home that might love the mountains, might love the trails, with hard work, with a bit of luck, with some good results, they might get the opportunity to become a professional trail runner. Yeah. So maybe could you talk us through how that opportunity came about for you with North Face? Yeah. And I think Goo gels as well. Yeah. And maybe it. the pros and cons, if there's any, of being a professional trail runner.
1: Yeah. So my kind of passage into it, um, North Face was my first like big jump at a, at um, working on a professional kind of context with a team. They were super involved in the November Project Group, which um, which I mentioned a few moments ago. And um, where they came involved, they were really wanting to try, like, use their kind of spread to build community fitness, to get more people out on the roads and out in the trails, but get more people out exercising. And at the time, I was heavily involved in the November Project group. I was probably one of the, the fastest people in the, whole, the the worldwide November Project community. And I was also leading the group in San Francisco, where the North Face was based. And yeah, they brought me on as an athlete because like I was having success in, at an international level. But also, I had this community angle. So I was kind of transcending across the two things that were important to them. The athletic side and the community side. Um, when I joined that, my first experience with the North Face team, was we have an athlete summit every year where they bring the climbers, the mountaineers, the skiers, the snowboards and the runners all together. And that was really great to come into like this larger kind of community. It was a similar concept to GU, It's multi multiple sports and they really value community. Um, so yeah, I came involved and been involved with them for the last two or three years. And it's been great because they they really foster kind of collaboration with different teammates regardless of sports. Um, and they really foster kind of ideas of following kind of stories and passions They really enjoy people with a story and a passion and people who embrace that story and passion. So then pros and cons of, um, like it's diff- at time, like say for example, a con I'll probably start off with, um, for people like myself that aren't, able t- that don't concentrate on running full-time often you have a lot of guilt that are you giving enough to your sponsor because you're working full-time as well. Um, are you able to train to the maximal level that you potentially could if you were doing this full time? But I think a lot of sponsors really appreciate, like, when you have someone who's also very passionate in another aspect of life, and they often embrace that too. I have found that with the with the with the groups I worked with. Um, but the pros, is the opportunities to travel and the, the support, the travel and support to follow, kind of goals and projects, whether they're races or whether they're um, rounds or whatever. It's uh, it really creates a lot of opportunity. And also when you when you have a sponsor, then races start becoming interested and a race might help support you coming in. But one thing is that like for an upcoming becoming athlete, what you have to do is you have to ask. Like don't be afraid of for reaching out to a sponsor to ask for support or reaching out to a race to ask for support. But also recognize like they they like a race, for example, they want to grow and they want to, to build their their kind of social media and whatnot so like also present them with what you can offer them as well because uh, everyone wants to see this sport grow and everyone wants to see everyone get better whether that be a race or an individual or a community
0: yeah, and I know you mentioned social media there, and I think for, say, any young Irish um, guys or girls listening in that are progressing through the ranks and maybe would like to try and get a sponsor on board, would you agree that a social media presence is so important, especially in the trail running world, maybe more so than the road running?
1: Yeah, it's a, I think it's a necessity in the trail running world to like to be to be noticed, at least. Because, um, like, in the road running world, there's a lot more races that are, like, going to be on TV and all like, uh, things like that. But in trail running, as it stands, though, it's starting to grow and get more kind of popular on a sporting level. Races and organizations, race organizations need people's individual so- social uh, accounts to really spread the word of our sport. Um, so it's really important. But also recognize that, like, if you have an, an active social media in a sport, you're helping promote your sport. You're helping this grow. And if we all, like when we all kind of get involved and start spreading the word and new faces start seeing, new people start seeing the sport, we're all contributing to the sport growing, which is what we all want.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I know a lot of the Spanish top pros, they actually have um, professional social media people looking after their social media accounts um, and so they can just focus on their training, focus on their races. Because if you have you Know 20,000 Instagram followers or 10,000 Facebook followers, you can imagine the amount of time and yeah, and that might take up. Yeah, uh, do, you, do you find you have any of those problems, Paddy? What number is that
1: now? <laughs> what am I at? Which is I guess I'm seven to eight thousand or something. And the, the you're Instagram. doing well, you're doing
0: well. And uh, um, what, one? what,
1: have probably about four or five on Twitter.
0: <laughs> and Paddy, what's your favorite bit of North Face gear?
1: Uh, in terms of North Face gear, like their apparel is kind of it, one of the best apparel companies in the world for, for running in general. Now, I wouldn't even say that just for trail running. But um, I think my favorite piece of gear is their uh, the jackets, the rain jackets they have. They just brought out the, the Future Light jackets over the last year or two. And um, they're and a spectacular piece of gear. But I think my favorite piece of gear was back in 2016. They brought out these three-quarter length capris that I still am using the same pair that I got in the winter of 2016. And that pair of capris I wore for the Wicklow Round Award in some of my favorite races uh, here in the U.S. And my favorite summer or winter uh, adventures around the mountains here. So the November 2016, three-quarter length Capri.
0: Yeah, I know the exact ones you're talking about because half the photographs I've seen you in, you have them on. Yeah. In the documentary, yeah, I talked a while you I saw you wearing them as well, so they yeah. so must be good. Mm-hmm. Um, but they the continue on, on your running and trail journey. Um, you had a super result the first time that you ran for Ireland in the trail running world championships. First Irishman home, 26th. But then a short while after that, back to that word serendipity, Mm-hmm. You smashed out a two hour twenty minute marathon of very little training. I think I I remember you saying that you did a couple of tempo runs on a tempo on a treadmill, sorry, because you couldn't go outside because of the poor air quality at the time, because of the fires that were going on. But yet you smashed it at a 2 hour, 20 minute time. I think, was it the American trial race as well? And the California International Marathon? Yeah, it was,
1: the, it was the, the California International Marathon. Mar- the California International Marathon. It was the, uh, the US Championships.
0: Yeah, and if I'm right, you were about 68. Which would have been, <laughs> you know, that massive high competition there. So 68 is a superb result. But just to compare it, for example, in the same year, you would have been 15th in London. Yeah. At that 2 hour, 20 minute time. So an incredible road achievement and i know subsequently paddy you had a massive conflict an internal conflict whether the focus on the marathon after that incredible time of your your first proper attempt at it or to go back to the trails to, to chase to chase maybe an olympic qualification time mm-hmm. or to go back to the trails how did you handle that how did you get through that decision
1: yeah, so that was November 2018, um, or December, I think it was like December 1st, 2018, when I ran that 2.20, and I was maybe 80 seconds off what was the Olympic standard of 2.19 at the time, and over the next two or three months, and I think we talked about it quite a bit as well, um, it was talking about what, what to do, whether to spend the next year focusing and get into the 2.19, or running at 2.15, 2.16, which would probably needed to get the top three positions on the Irish team. And I was really considering taking six months off of work and then either going to, like I was even like, talk, I'd already been in talks about people who going to ITIN and things like that to really focus down on it. And then in January, they released the new standards and they cut it down to 211 um, to be the standards. And at the time, like I had a long, I like guess, I spent weeks thinking about this and I realized that my true heart of this sport is in getting out into the mountains, and getting out into the trails. And I know running like, potentially having a chance to run in the Olympics is was is such, a, it's such a huge thing. It's what we grew up dreaming of, which you mentioned earlier. But in the mountains, I get to wear an Irish jersey, and I get to compete at the top level. And honestly, with Pena Glosa, I wanted to finish higher than that. Uh, we may talk about Patagonia. I wanted to finish higher than that. I think both of them, I think I have top 10 potential in world championship races. And I know I can compete at the best level at, at trail running. And I also love getting out and running in the mountains and that's kind of my passion and having the physical ability to to do a certain thing is very important but also having the love and the heart behind it is as important if not even more important so that I think that kind of the cutting the them cutting down to the 211 was kind of the push towards realizing that wait actually I just love the mountains
0: I it's a great philosophy to have and I mean you could have tried for that olympic dream but just imagine the strain that that would have put on your body as well to, to get down to 215 and then have to go again to the 211 and we were sp- speaking with Renie earlier on just about the you know the, the higher injury risk of running on the roads and on, and on concrete and I think the two of us are very much the same that we still want to be running competing whether it's running for Ireland or not you know you know for the next five or ten years and I genuinely believe you have a better chance by running on the trails in the mountains of staying relatively injury free then you know really killing pushing the body then then going for a 211 marathon now don't get me wrong i mean completing a road marathon in a pb time it is a superb feeling as well mm-hmm. but it's high risk it really yeah. is high risk
1: it was quite a contrast uh seeing what my 2019 was instead of a if I had went one direction, it would have been like running, like doing 100 mile weeks all on flat roads versus my summer of 2019 was spent practicing power hiking up and down four or five thousand foot peaks uh, to get ready for UTMB. Definitely two two contrasts of what could have been.
0: Well, it's a perfect segue, Paddy, into UTMB last year. And I'd love for you to, to tell the listeners about that because... I know, you know, with the talent that we saw in the previous couple of years, that you were, you know, genuinely going for a top ten and one of the favourites to get a top ten as well. But the race didn't quite go according to plan. You had some stomach issues, which is understandable as you're trying to get through 160 kilometres over three different countries, 10,000 metres of elevation gain, run through the night, etc., etc. But I remember seeing you get to the finish line and. You, you are physically wasted, you yeah. know, and there's a, there's a photograph of you, um, I think it's on your maybe Instagram page or certainly Facebook page, of your face just after it, and you can see the turmoil that you've gone through. But I had the utmost respect for you that day because you suffered like a dog. Yeah. And you still got to the finish line. Um, so, can you tell us how mentally you got through maybe the toughest physical challenge you ever faced?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that so UTM was maybe I wanted it to be my first hundred miler, which uh, is probably an idiotic one to pick as your first. Um, but yeah, as you said, like I wanted, I was can be, I was wanting to get to that top ten spot, and I think when I got to Cormier, I was climbing. So about halfway through, it climbed up towards the top twenty. I'm like, yeah, I'm in a good place. But throughout the night prior to that, I started getting a. Um, some, it was a warm evening and started having stomach issues, which I'd never had before. But I think cause it, we were just going out at such a sustained pace early on in the race. I think it was just everything converged at once where it was a sick stomach. It was kind of warm. It was the high intensity. There was the nerve. There was everything came together, but stomach turned. Then I rallied and I got going again by Cormier and then it turned again, um, like one or two aid stations after Cormier before the big climb. And at that stage, yeah, I just wasn't able to get fuel in. And I'd been running for what, 14 hours, 12, 13, 14 hours at that stage. And the energy was gone. Coming out of Arnuva, like the only thing I was able to eat was soup and bananas. So some of my friends took a photo of me going up that big climb out of Arnuva, And I have two bananas sticking out of my, uh, out of my, uh, my vest, which they were ripping the piss out of me to this day about that. But at that time, A lot of people around me were after dropping out. A lot of the elites were after dropping out. And first and foremost, we're there to get to the finish line. Everyone, of all the 2,000 people who were starting that line, their goal is to get to the finish. My stomach was sick. I was feeling like shit. I had no energy. Um, The race was kind of going away from me. But my legs could still move. If I kept walking, my legs could still move. I could get to the finish line. This was 12, 13 hours into the race feasibly I was going to finish in around 24 25 26 27 hours I know people that were going to be out there for another 15 or 16 hours on top of that so if you can still move and still go forward you have to do that and um, there's no is, is that
0: there. something Patty, that you've worked on or is it just kind of you know as the song says born that way
1: I think born that way like the, the, I, I know what my, my ultimate goal to go into that race was to finish it Um. Yeah, um, I was always going to get to that finish line unless I wasn't able to um, but we can still move you can get enough Coca-Cola in you last you for a couple of hours you're just going to have a miserable couple of hours after that but you'll get more Coca-Cola into you then you'll be fine
0: Yeah, um, This year's race obviously cancelled would you like to go back Paddy again?
1: Yeah, I want my next 100 miler to be UTMB and I want to get a top 10 at that
0: and, and I firmly believe that you can, um, absolutely. Um, but you know we, we have a long story uh, still to get through, Paddy, so we'll, we'll park UTMB there for a second um, and move on to your next adventure. As I said, there, there, there's so many adventures over the last couple of years, it's gonna be tight to get them all in, but I did want to mention um, the World Championships in Patagonia mm-hmm. and the tour of South America that you went on before the World Championship race. Um, What was it like um, competing in trail running races in Chile and Argentina? Um, I can only imagine how different it must have been to to Ireland, of course, to Europe, and even different to North America.
1: Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of differences, but there's a lot of similarities. I'll start with the similarity. One thing, the trail running community, regardless of where you go, is so strong across the world. Like last year, I'm extremely fortunate where I got to race in five different continents, and Every place I went, I was welcomed with open arms, regardless if there was language barriers, culture barriers, people would welcome you in and they were just stoked to get you out. for so in Hong Kong, in South America, in Ireland, in the US, people are just stoked to get you out on their home trails and share their backyard with you, which is something I absolutely love about this sport. And they're stoked to see people, regardless of whether you're an elite, true to a person that's fighting cutoffs, at every race, they're just stoked to see everyone get to the finish line and come to their city. Which I love um, about
0: sport. Uh, how did they treat your paddy? Because I know you had was it two race wins when you were there.
1: Yeah, so I did three races. I did one, one, two, three. I did three races in the lead up to uh, up to World Championships, and um, and three race wins. Actually, was had had a couple on the trot, which was which is, it was like I won the North Face Endurance Challenge in Santiago, at 50k, and with some stout competition, including uh, one of my teammates, Rob Carr, and that was my first ultra marathon win in like two years at like a high level ultra so I was pretty stoked on that and I was feeling good about kind of about my body in general and um, some challenges of that definitely the language barrier was I went down with the greatest intentions of learning Spanish like your good self but um, I didn't quite keep up with it so it was, there was definitely some interesting google translating happening because I was traveling on my own for two or three weeks uh, around Patagonia but google translate is a wonderful thing
0: it sounds like an amazing trip, Patty, But then we got to the World Championships. We all met up over there, the Irish squad, with Leo Mahan and Robbie mm-hmm. Williams at the helm. And it was a wonderful couple of days. Uh, just the atmosphere amongst the Irish team and for the trail um, and mountain running World Championships. It was fantastic. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you had three wins. You had three great races. You would have been traveling a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Is it fair to say that you got to the World Championships tired?
1: Without and, a as doubt.
0: Was, and that was reflected in the 50th position that you came in.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. From, like, the season start. even though I'm quite good with after a race, I have, like, three target races for a season. I usually take two or three weeks off after that. So, after Hong Kong in January, I took three weeks off. After Whitlow Round, I took three weeks off in April. After UTMB, I took three weeks off. But I think that whole year and kind of heightened by the travel as well added up. And also... I think because I was trying to switch from at the end of August, I ran a 170 kilometer race UTMB, um, which is a lot of power hiking, true to trying to run a fast mountain marathon in November. That I didn't appreciate how much of a difference there was there was between those two races, and they're two completely different disciplines. So I hadn't given myself enough time to switch across. Um so yeah underperform like at that race i was going out with a top 10 goal as well and like about a third of the way and you know, i was just outside the top 10 but then just the legs just ran yeah, out
0: but you, you might have came 50th then um, which is still a very good result patty but just to share with the listeners one anecdote from the finish line of that race and um, i remember i was there watching you come in and you know you, you could see that you were disappointed with the 50th position um but you, you spotted, um, I forget the nationality of the runner just ahead of you with about maybe 300 meters to go. And it, it's hard to describe. It, it was like the awakening of a lion. Uh, it was like you opened up your lungs, your shoulders expanded, and you just sprinted home and took yeah. that guy down. And he tried to respond.
1: Yeah. And I
0: just thought it was so impressive physically, mentally, after running, what was it? Uh, was it fifty kilometers, Paddy, or uh,
1: 40, it Was like uh, marathon.
0: Yeah, marathon. After that, to still have the desire, the competitive edge, to make sure that you got your man, and that's yeah. something that you know myself and the shorter distance guys always try and say, even cross country races, yeah. make sure you get your man, and you got him. <laughs> Can yeah. you remember what, what country he was from?
1: The uh, blue jersey, wasn't he? Yeah. Was he an Irish yeah. fellow? Could, could have been, could have been. So, yeah, uh, yeah, American anyway. So, he was on home turf relatively. Yeah, uh, it,
0: it, was, it was a good uh, scalp for the boys
1: in green. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad you like you just touched off cross country there. That's something actually I've started doing the last three years, and I think it's got me in the best shape of my life. Um, in the winter seasons, was doing cross country, and but also it gives you great physical shape, but also gets you in really good mental shape because there's no suffering like a cross country race. And I think using that as training to apply it to ultra marathons, I think has stood to me so much because it can generate power and things like that at the end of a race and just the mental fortitude to like battle with someone. So I think that's something that's helped me out a huge amount um, with cross-country training and I absolutely love it. That's why this year, the, the goal for this year was I was not going to do any long like 100k, 50 miler, plus races i was focusing down on short races like the dipsy occ reek skyline and then the world championships in lanzarote several of them have been canceled but i think that's still my goal for this year is to get fast over short stuff because i think through my wickler around utmb year i think i lost a lot of my speed which i built up coming up to cim so i think that's still kind of my goal for this year is i want to get want to get fast because i know i have that in me
0: yeah and um, how do you think you, you'll balance over the next say year to two years paddy that that desire to be one of the top 10, top mm-hmm. 20 trail runners in the world. But yet with all the other passions that you have, um, the, the film documentary, making side of you, your, your mm-hmm. love for developing the trail and mountain running community, mm-hmm. um, do, 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 you, do you see that as a conflict in any way? Do you think you can, you can be one of the best 10 trail runners in the world um, with the fantastic natural talent you have combined? With all those other
1: factors as well, I think so. I think so. I think a huge part, like within, I think we can do. I can do the physical training for to compete at the highest level of sport, like with in the Ultra Trail World Tour. Like it, the current kind of strategy we have, we're balancing like life and community and running up, finishing the top ten of Ultra Trail Cape Town, uh, Hong Kong One Hundred, Labaredo, sixth place in that, and like doing well twiddle around and. I think, yeah, I think you can, we can definitely apply that. And I think maybe if I didn't, if I didn't have these extra focuses on like developing community or like fun projects like the Wickler Round, I think maybe I won't be, or may not be as stoked about it uh, about a sport to be able to train and compete at the highest level and have yeah. the will, the want to do it. Cause I think it's something I get so much out of being part of the community, seeing the community grow and helping seeing other people do well in this sport. I get so much from that personally. I think it helps a lot with my own individual performance
0: yeah well i think a happy runner is going to be a successful runner aren't they because i think the more we're stressed out the the more cortisol we have in the body the more tension we have in our muscles and the more injured we end up being so Yeah, absolutely Paddy, it sounds like a good plan uh, and good plan and um, we mentioned coming home, uh, a, a while, yeah. um, Paddy it's been an incredible success, Yeah, you've got over 50,000 views online, last time I looked I'm sure it's probably more now, you've got some great um, critical reviews of it, picked up a couple of awards as well, but, but like any good champion, I'm sure you're thinking of season two and the next season and the next competition. So is there any coming home, like Choctawalia, number two on the way?
1: It'd be Choctawalia, Arasharish, back again. Yeah. <laughs>
0: where, where, where are you thinking of heading to?
1: Breaking 15, eh? It's definitely on my mind. Like Gav, I'm definitely going to go for it sometime. I just don't know when it's going to happen. Um, but I'm coming, I'll come for you, Gavin Byrne. Maybe I'll just wait till I'll wait till Governor Shane go for uh go for the record at the uh, <laughs> the rank and round, and then I'll come back and try beat them by four minutes. Um, yeah, it's making the plans for the, like the next thing has definitely become much more challenging as of late with the the current kind of global climate. Um, so, I'm. Um, i want, like, at some stage, I want to come back and do the Wicklow round. At some stage, I want to come back. This year, I was going to come back in July to help Robbie with Reek Skyline, race Reek Skyline, which I was super excited to race. And then the following week, we were talking about going in to try to see how many rounds, how many mountains in the Reeks we could do in, in a day. Um, so I have two maps here behind me actually where I was looking doing a little a bit of organa- uh, looking uh, like logistics for that that's something I'd like to do in the future but it's hard to know when when we can do a lot of these things there's kind of some things are kind of more important than I think
0: sure has, what's the status has, on the week skyline at the moment patty is it um, um postponed for the moment or
1: is it still going on postponed for the moment but i think they're still trying to fit in where where in the later window it could end up being like from from august onwards i think last time i heard what sport in ireland will start to resume in august but i think it's likely that that'll only be on the running side of things it might be more only more than navigation stuff it's kind of a the the, the kind of the threshold to move on to the next stage is kind of it's quite dynamic, so it's hard. I understand the the, the difficulties for people organising sport in our in across the world now. It's so challenging, but yeah.
0: And yeah. um, for the for the running community back home in Ireland, then um, Paddy, do you have any thoughts? Any any ideas on? How we can continue to grow the sport of trail running, given the experience that you have in North America and what you saw in South America as well. Any thoughts that you'd like to share?
1: Yeah, I think valuing the youth and getting the youth into the sport is the most important thing. I think both in Ireland and the US, I think it's still... Adding, there is no real youth trail running or there, there is youth trail running but it's extremely small and it's only growing and I know they're making some a lot of effort in Ireland to do that now and they're starting to do that in the U.S. but like when we go to UTMB you see that those kids races there's hundreds of kids from four years old up to 17 jumping into races but they've also been doing this sport for like the the platform has been there for decades. I saw the same thing in South America. They had at many of the races I went to, the youth races as well. So thinking focusing down on the youth, which is something that we're starting to do in Ireland. I know like Sarah and Paul were overdoing clinics. Miriam is doing a lot of work, kind of developing the youth program. I think everyone getting in and focusing on that is going to be really important because then we're going to see lads like Rory Long, who you who you chat to quite a bit on this coming through and younger lads again coming through too. Cause when you have the kids coming out of 17, 18, who are starting to battle with the, the kind of the older guard, they push us, we push them and we have a sustainable recycling of athletes into them. Like if we want to succeed at the national level, we need youth coming in and more competition, more, I think more, building the level of competition at races at home and like really focusing in and having like getting our best people out to the best races in Ireland. Because then that also helps when you've got, when you're trying to promote a sport to people outside the trail running, the, the kind of tight mountain running community we have. Because we want people kind of just outside the sport to get super psyched about a sport because that gets more people in. We're starting to see that in the US now where like they've we built kind of the promotion of a lot of sports where people who are runners will come out to watch the North Face 50 miler. Or western states things like that so it's like just building the stature of a sport and getting more youth involved
0: yeah uh, i totally agree paddy and i know i've been talking to miriam maher from imra offline a little bit as well and we're hoping to have miriam and maybe one or two of her junior squad members on the show to tell us about what they're doing as well so i mean if there's anybody listening that has teenagers and that have any interest in the mountains and the trails you know look up the immer website look at look up when the next race might be on once all the restrictions are are lifted and get in touch with them because they're a great place to start And it really is, I mean, such a wonderful sport. Here we are, Paddy, we're talking about your trips to Chile, Argentina, the great community that you've met in North America and San Francisco. And I think any trail runner probably has a a list of at least five countries that they visited for racing or that they've made friends in. So uh, it's a wonderful sport. And and just a, a final thought on it is that for anybody that didn't listen to episode three with Sarah, that might have maybe a young daughter at home. Like, if you're looking for a role model yeah. for our female athletes, listen to Sarah talking. She's she's done incredible work over the last ten years, and um, it'd be great to see the the junior girls' team and the and the girls' senior team get stronger and stronger as well. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Well, well, Paddy, it's been an absolute pleasure. I feel like I've gone on a globe-trotting trip around the world from from Dublin to, to Wexford, to, to America, to South America. Uh, it's been a fascinating journey, and you, you have an incredible story to tell, and I I, looking for, I look forward to to seeing and listening to the next couple of chapters. And I, I can't let you go, Paddy, without asking you our final question that we ask everybody on the show. Um, what is your favorite place to train in?
1: Cronin's Yard, down in Killarney the photo of the McGillicuddy Reeks that's such a spectacular place
0: well I'll tell Robbie Williams to get the coffee on, whatever biscuits you like and uh, I'm sure he'll be waiting for you once you get back home next time
1: tell uh, Esther Cronin to have the scones ready
0: I will do Paddy Paddy it's been an absolute pleasure and I really look forward to the day when I see you achieving your goals um, in the trail running world and and you know hopefully breaking into the top 20 maybe mm-hmm. even the top 10 and um, you certainly have the ability to do so so all the very best with your journey over the next couple of years
1: excellent and thanks so much for doing this and for having me on the show it's great having a kind of a the the podcast kind of being a voice telling the stories of people in the Irish trail running community so we can get more people involved in this sport as well so thank you guys for this
0: look after yourself buddy over there take care
1: cheers take care